Faith FM Breakfast Show with the Double L Team, Lyle and Lawson. Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening on 87.6, or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning and a special welcome to a bunch of people listening on 88 this morning. We have those listening in Smithton, Tasmania, up there on the northwest coast, 88.0, Monto in Queensland on 88.0 or Miles in Queensland on 88. Point zero. Welcome to the show, guys. If you're listening this morning, give us a call, send a text message, let us know that you're there. We love to hear from our listeners, but right now we're going to ask Lawson what he's thankful for. I got to go on a road trip yesterday, Lyle. Okay. To the picturesque Sydney airport during peak hour traffic at night time. Through the tunnel? Through the tunnel. So you didn't even get to see the harbour? Nope. But you got to see the tunnel. And I went the wrong... I took a wrong turn and I did, like, went all over the place. Yes. Through the picturesque... Because this is Sydney. Sydney. Yes. You know? Uh, so, so yeah, oh, I'm I, was, so jealous. I was just living my best life, you know? I am you know, so jealous. I'm like, getting to appreciate the view, stuck in traffic. It was incredible. And just think of all the other things that you could have been doing that would have been better than that, like stabbing yourself in the eye with a pencil. <laughs> yes. But it was good. I got to pick up my friends from the airport and, nice. and, and take them home. But but it was just like, wow, this is a terrible way to spend, <laughs> to spend Monday night. But, hey, in the end, it was good. It was good. I, you know. It's always good to go to the airport and pick up good friends and see people you haven't seen for a while. So correct. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We are about to get into positively different news because that's what we have at the beginning of the show. But as always, we have a question for the quiz before we do so. All right. What did Agabus do with the Apostle Paul's girdle to prophesy... To prophesy of Paul's fate? Man, this is a tricky one straight away. We're getting... We're getting... Deep, one that you would need to be pretty knowledgeable to know about. Of course, we encourage you, if you're not a regular church attender, you can head to the Bible, maybe look this up, find, oh, this Agabus and Paul person, you know, what's, what's going on with them? You can, you can find that. If you are a regular church attender, meaning that you go to church every single week, we would love it if you can just use your big, big brain and your memorization skills to think, oh, what happened in this story? But if you know the answer and you give us a call, 0491-064-669, and you answer correctly, you will go into the draw to win all three of these amazing testimonial true story biographical books that we have. We've been talking about them. The Man Who Couldn't Be Killed, The French Pilot, and The Richest Caveman. Yes, really, really epic stories. Books that, Lyle, you have read. Yes. And you would recommend people to read. Absolutely. Have you read any of these? I have read The Richest Caveman. Okay, so you've read one of the three. You need to read the other two. Okay. Yes. Maybe I should get into the draw. Maybe. No, that's illegal. That would be cheating. That would be cheating. Uh, That's actually, you can, if you want to know our terms and conditions, which probably include the fact that we can't go into the draw, (laughs) you can head to our website, faithfm.com.au to find it all then. But again, that question was, what did Agabus do with the Apostle Paul's girdle to prophesy of Paul's fate? 0491-064-669. And of course, if you'd like to do something better with your life than reading terms and conditions, you could 
Don't listen to the breakfast show. Yeah, listen to the breakfast <laughs> show and to the quiz. Get the answers correct yes. and win these books. All right, good stuff. Let's have some positively different news. All right, Lyle. Yes. I'm going to talk about one of the greatest inventions of all time. One the of the wheel. Close. Okay. Close. The tire. I, I, that was very close. Incredibly close. Yeah. Yes. Rubber tires. I'm going to be talking about the tire because right. Bridgestone mm-hmm. have invested 100 million dollars. Which is a lot of money, but Bridgestone's a massive company. Uh, it's a lot of money to be able to develop a form, a, 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 a form of creating tires that doesn't use our regular, well, heavier, so our, our rubber tree. Right. And they've been going about this in a, a number of different ways, but the way that they've landed on is using a plant called guayuli. Okay. Because okay. the, uh, and I hope I'm pronouncing this correct. I'm just going to call it the rubber tree, the regular tropical rubber, yeah, yeah, rubber tree. tree. We know what a rubber tree is. The rubber tree that they use is incredibly climate intensive. It takes a lot of water and can be affected by drought and all kinds of things, especially uh, because they, they grow a lot of the rubber trees in places that, yeah, just have incredibly interesting climates. And it's, it can be like, if you're down on your rubber tree, you know, growing for the year, then that's a whole lot less tires that you, than you can actually make. Now, a lot of your road-going tires uh, have, you know, mostly synthetic materials and then a little bit of rubber from a rubber tree in it, about uh, 15 to 20%. No, really? Uh, but your bigger truck tires, tires that need to have, uh, in according to them, a, a little bit more structural punch are made completely from rubber trees. So there is a lot resting on this. But you have instead this plant called guayuli um, that produces rubber as a form of protection um, because it grows mostly in deserts, specifically the Chihuahuan Desert. Uh, it doesn't need any irrigation, doesn't need much water at all. It's just this desert-growing plant that's in the same line as, like, daisies and different plants like that. But essentially, it is completely resistant to any of the different climate obstacles that the rubber tree would find. And it just grows, and they've been able to make tyres out of it, which is amazing. I'm like, that's so good. If you can create a farming practice that leads to an essential service like tyres, that is just incredibly low intensity in terms of the amount that you need to put in and water and, and how much the climate will affect it. You've basically won. Yes, indeed. And obviously, they're very confident that this is going to work because you don't invest a billion dollars into something. A hundred million. A hundred million dollars into something if it's not going to work. Yeah. It's interesting in the different ways that they've rolled this out and they've tested this. They've made IndyCar tires out of this, like racing, you know, IndyCar open wheel. So, like, really soft stuff? Yeah. Basically, to show, like, okay... Within the application of racing, which is where tyres get the most stressed. Yes. Do we have the ability, you know, does this type of rubber have yeah, the ability yeah, yeah. to hold we'll up? Yeah, hang in there. Uh, which they have been... Have they, have they trialled it? it? See, here's the, here's the question that I need to ask is, have they trialled it on off-road tyres? Well... Big lugs, soft compounds, uh, sidewalls that bag out mm. and don't puncture. Sidewalls you can basically drive on. Yeah, that's right. The, the biggest, like... 
thing that they need to test is sidewalls. Like sidewalls are the, one of the most important components yes. of the tire. Yes. And it's the one that comes under the most stress because of all the flexing and, and moving and whatnot. Like if you just, you just got some like tread on the top. Yeah, that does a lot. But the sidewalls are the ones. How much heat does it generate when you're running low pressures? Correct. As compared to high pressures? Do you have to, I mean, it'd be terrible if you created a tire and it was a fantastic tire, but you had to run it at high pressures all the time. Mm. Well, with this IndyCar created a tire that they created, the specific thing that they were testing was sidewall. Right. They, in fact, the top of the tire was just regular synthetic oh, okay. stuff. So it was the sidewalls, sidewalls yes. that were made out of this rubber to see like how far can we push it because that's what you know. If you see videos of like drag cars taking off and you see those sidewalls flexing, flex to the max. Have they tried it on a drag car yet? Uh, I don't believe so. But that, that, that's got to be the ultimate test right there, is that's a drag right. car. I mean, as far as sidewall strength goes, that's where it's Correct. When you've insane. got 100,000 pounds of torque or something running yes. through the tires. <laughs> like, it's absolutely insane. But I just, I love this because it's just, hey, we've got this plant that you can chuck. You know where they're going to farm it? Arizona. In the, cool. In the desert. Cool. Like, in the middle of nowhere. Okay, so Arizona is going to become a farm. We should turn the Simpson Desert into a farm. That's right. We, we should could. Grow, grow tires out there. We could with this plant. Have tire trees. They're like, we're going to put this in the single most unbearable desert, like gross, hot, sandy this should be place str- ever. Forget Arizona. Come to Australia. Yeah. We've got lots of We've this land. We've got so much unarable land. We're, and we try and raise cows on that stuff and sheep. <laughs> and we do. Th- th- yes. Yeah, we do. So big properties. Bring it out here. We can have our own tire manufacturing here in Australia. Yeah, bring it on. That's actually that's genius industry. Oh, that, you know that would enable us. We have of jobs. to be the best country in the world for doing this. That's right. So we've this been the most blessed with desert. Fantastic news. In other de- speaking of another desert that isn't on planet Earth, I want to talk about Mars again because the uh, the Perseverance rover has. Now, been trialing a device it's that it persevered. came with. It's persevered. Mm-hmm. You know, praise God. Yes. As, as we're all called to persevere. Uh, but it's been trialing a device that's attached to it called the MOXIE, or the Mars Oxygen in situ Resource Utilization Experiment. Okay. Which is basically a box that turns carbon dioxide into oxygen. So it's turned itself into a tree. Right. Uh, you know, so the basic application of this is like, could we create an air sealed tent and then drive the Mars rover in there and it fill dis- it up with dispenses oxygen. oxygen and then it goes out, collects more carbon dioxide and comes back in? Or could we build an air filled tent with a box on the top of That's it? Right. That's that right. That's just. Constantly pumps oxygen into the tent. Correct. But it's the Mars rover itself, this Perseverance rover, that is testing this technology That's and seeing how very, good very it's going. Cool. Right now, they believe, as they're doing more tests, it will get to the capacity where it'll be able to do the work of 100 trees. At the moment, it's doing the work of two trees a day. So, Okay, so why don't we build these things here on Earth to replace the Amazon? Because the Amazon has pretty trees. Used to, until they burned it down. Yeah. I mean, it still does, but uh-huh. there are large parts of it that are No, but I think on this earth we can plant more trees. See, that's the, the yeah, specific so problem. Trees are, trees are better and more efficient and prettier. That, that's the specific problem of Mars is that there's no water. Yes. So you, you can't plant trees. So it's no, like, okay, can't. how do we get oxygen? Like, the, you know, in terms of the challenges of terraforming Mars, it's like we don't have water. How do we get oxygen? Okay, how do you solve that problem? You get robots that can turn CO2 into 
oxygen, which is cool. Like, it's very cool. Obviously, there are the thoughts of going to Mars, settling on Mars, colonizing Mars, and it's kind of it's simultaneously like interesting, but also funny because it's like, well, why? But it's cool to see technology heading in that direction where we actually have the ability to do that. You're listening to the Breakfast Joe podcast on Faith FM, positively different. It is Breakfast Show here on Faith FM. It is the Double L Team, Lyle and Lawson, and it is time for the next question for our quiz. With what condition did Moses get temporarily afflicted? If you know the answer. 0491 is the number to call or text. We have a few prizes to give away if you win the draw, which will be happening on Friday at the end of this week. The man who couldn't be killed, the amazing story of a missionary... A persecuted Christian during the People's Revolution era, China. Very interesting. The French pilot, which La was having a great time talking about yesterday. Yes. The pilot, the 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 Huguenot Christian. Huguenot pilot, yes. Huguenot. Huguenot, that's right, correct. <laughs> and finally here, the richest caveman, the story of Doug Bachelor. So zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call or text. And again, that question was: With what condition did Moses get temporarily afflicted? All right, there you go. If you know the answer, you know the number to call. Mm-hmm. Moving on to more serious news this morning. Uh, quick mention uh, that the UK. We did mention that the UK has a new prime minister, Liz Truss. Mm. Her name is Elizabeth Truss. Uh, just looking at sort of where she stands, she says that she supports the ethics and values of the of Anglican Christianity. Mm-hmm. So that's a very vague way of saying that you might know something about Christianity and that Christianity is about love and you support love. Mm-hmm. That's about all that means. Mm-hmm. Uh, she probably actually, you know, most secular people these days know nothing about Christianity or mm-hmm. what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she's not particularly strong on issues, you know, some of the key issues that Christians are looking at, like abortion and so forth. She mm-hmm. has uh, campaigned to see relaxation of abortion laws in Ireland, which has historically had very strong laws on that issue because of their uh, strong Roman Catholicism mm-hmm. um, or Catholic influence. She believes that you know it should be the same right across the UK. Uh, she supports same-sex marriage, supports anti-conversion therapy laws, if they can protect religious ex- expression and free speech. So that's good to hear. Mm. Um, interesting. She she knows what a woman is. Praise God. That's not typical in today's world, it seems. Yep. But she does know what a woman is, mm-hmm. um, and supports women being able to be called women. Mm. Uh, she's married. She has two teenagers. She initially opposed Brexit, but has since changed her mind, as I think a lot of people have, as they have noted that the world hasn't ended, as was predicted. Yeah. And she was anti-monarchist as a young person, but no longer is. Yeah, that's right. Uh, just reading here about her political career, she was, you know, a part of the Liberal Democrats. So very much on the the left wing side of British politics and, yeah, fighting against monarchy and, you know, like wanting hum- homogenation of government in Europe. But now she's ditched that for the Conservative Party, of which she has now become the Prime Minister. Prime Minister. There you yeah. Go. All right, moving on to... Uh, Stories of more weight. Okay. Disney's just released a new cartoon. Uh-huh. I always get worried when they put out cartoons because cartoons are for children. Mm-hmm. I get worried when they put out cartoons for adults because when you put out cartoons for adults, you know that children are going to stumble on it and children are just going to assume it's for them and they're going to watch it. Mm. Uh, this one's called The Little Demon Series. Little Demon Series. The Little series. Demon Series. Okay, so the Disney, Disney storyline is... 
description is this. 13 years after being impregnated by Satan, a reluctant mother and her antichrist daughter attempt to live an ordinary life. Does not sound like wholesome viewing. So it basically it features a woman who has been impregnated by Satan, who gives birth to a daughter who is the Antichrist. Um, it is full of graphic violence and nudity and jokes about hell and the dangers of and jokes about the dangers of the demonic realm and creates a world of demons and witches and sorcery. Um, it shows full frontal nudity with no pixelation uh, in satanic rituals, etc., etc., etc. So this is Disney for you. The last few years, this has been classic Disney. Mm-hmm. Anything that is vile, anything that is horrid, anything that is negative, anything that is dark, mm. anything that is associated with depression and mental illness is what they are going to glorify and promote mm. and try and put out there in the community. And why it is that we have anything to do with this company called Disney, I do not know because mm. they just have a a, a, a determined agenda to produce as much evil as they possibly can in our world that is just abhorrent to the senses. The One Million Mums uh, group has urged the Walt Disney Company to cancel the dark show immediately. And there's a possibility that they could actually do that. They have uh, been able to cancel a few shows recently. Mm. I, so, cancel culture right yeah, there. Yeah, cancel culture. I, I do want to like note that this particular show isn't airing on like any Disney-branded network, but specifically on FX, FX which is like, right. kind of like for adults anyway. But, but, you, but have- you know, you mm. know, when you were a kid, I mean, Harry, when you were a kid, how many adult shows did you watch? Oh, dude, like it was, I think... So I was really into SpongeBob when I was a kid. And I think still, to, I think my humor has been shaped by that. I'm, I'm like big SpongeBob fan. My and then I, I graduated from SpongeBob at eight. And then when I was nine, it was like, all right, time to watch The Simpsons. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, everything else. And so, like, I totally, I, to- I totally see, like, you know, I- I'm looking at some screenshots from it now. And obviously, I think for me as a Christian, I'm like, this is terrible. Like, yes. Because, firstly, uh, it's like just bad viewing and glorifies a terrible issue. Secondly, it's misinformative as to what the Antichrist is. And uh, I hate that so yeah. much. Like, I'm like, that is just the worst. Because, you know, my role and also your role Lyle as Bible teachers and we meet people and we show them what the Bible says and so much of that is just untangling the mess of either false doctrine in religion or pop culture mm-hmm. like I've I've had so many experiences where people's ideas and their views have been informed by pop culture and there's like a considerable amount of work that you need to do and hey that's what the work that we're called to do as Christians to love these people to pray for them and to show them the truth but yeah just seeing how that because the, the, that knowledge informs the way that they live their life. and Absolutely. 100%. It's like, oh, and again, and, and it just makes a mockery of a biblical topic. It does. Of something that's so serious as well. So if you'd actually like to know who the Antichrist is, it's not hard. Mm-hmm. I have a Bible study series on it. It's called The Prophetic Code. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can do that series entirely for free th- through the Discovery Center. Just give us a call, 0491-064-669. We'll get you hooked up with that course. You can find out exactly who the Antichrist is. Mm-hmm. And you can also find out what the Bible says about heaven, about hell, about death, about all of these things that are being glorified in this particular Disney series and you can see what Satan is actually trying to accomplish by creating a series like this or using human beings to do so. Mm. 
All right, so give us a call if you would like to do that course. Uh, you can do it entirely for free. There are 20 different Bible studies in it, and you will have a coach that will take you through. Uh, you can do it um, uh, via correspondence, and you it can be anywhere in Australia. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, moving to Louisville, Kentucky. Okay, you um, called it Louisville before. Don't, and, don't and remind that, me that I, I said like, that. I was like, excuse me, what? <laughs> Okay, so Chelsea Nelson has sued mm-hmm. uh, Louisville, Kentucky, um, oh. because its fairness ordinance uh, bans discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation and gender identity uh-huh. and creates discrimination against people of faith. Ah. Uh. So the fairness ordinance is unfair. Mm-hmm. Um, it would require her to photograph same-sex weddings, violating basically her First Amendment rights. Mm-hmm. So this has gone to court, and the U.S. District Judge Jen- Benjamin Beaton sided with Nelson, who owns the studio. Mm. Uh, the government requires uh, restaurants, hotels, stores to provide services regardless of the proprietor's views of their customers' legal status, they said. Uh, the government may not force singers, writers, photographers to articulate messages they do not support. Mm. And I think this is the key difference here between these businesses. Some businesses, it's like, no, you cannot discriminate based on you know whatever a person's orientation may be. But if you are being forced to speak a message that you do not stand for and you mm. do not believe, you can't be forced to speak that message. Yeah, I... I- I actually, I think that's fair enough because it's like when you're providing an essential service like food. Yeah. Like, don't ask questions. If you, if you, if you discriminate, Accommodation. don't people, ask questions. People will die. Like, that's right. If you don't feed people, <laughs> they'll die. And like when, when it comes to church, when people walk into our church, we don't ask questions. Mm. Just be there. Yeah. God loves you regardless of mm. who you are. That's right. God loves you universally. Mm. But we're going to teach and preach and live according to our convictions. You don't get to force me what I get to say Mm. when I stand up the front to preach. Neither do you get to force a photographer what she says with her artwork. Because You're listening to The Breakfast Joe Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Coming up, we have a continuation on our amazing interview series with Owen Shaw, getting into his story and the incredible things that happened. But... Before we get into it, we're going to have another question for the quiz. What was the name of David's first wife? 0491 is the number to call. Again, our prizes for this week, the richest caveman, the French pilot, and the man who couldn't be killed. Incredible books regarding stories of people who live by their faith and as a result, uh, God changed their lives in mighty and powerful ways. But right now we have that interview. The Breakfast Show. Bits worth repeating. He said, no, I'm not going to give up on you. I'm going to keep praying. And he says, if you hang up on me, I'll pray twice as hard. <laughs> yeah, wow. Okay. That's a unique approach, but I like it. He never, ever stopped pushing that day. He just said, no, I don't care what you say. I know that I'm here talking to you for a reason. Instead of saying no, I eventually gave in and he prayed. He asked God to take my pain and to take my anxiety, all the things that seem cliche to Christians. But I think when you have a definitive moment in time where you know you became a Christian, this would have to be my moment. This was a segment from The Breakfast Show. Join in each weekday morning here on Faith FM. So... 
Owen, you've reached this particular point in your life where you've had this conversation with God, you've had this argument with God, you've had a conversation, just a completely random conversation with a chaplain from a different state who's just managed to somehow track you down and then get your phone number and give you a call. Yeah. From that point forward, does God step back into your life and just solve all of your problems? I will tell you one thing, and that's that I experienced the most amazing sense of peace that I've ever had in my life. It's a sense of peace that I think most people search for their whole lives. And in the thralls of all of this drama that was going on, it's a pretty amazing feeling to feel the complete opposite. But as I got off the phone to this person, to this pastor that had called me out of the blue, it kind of felt surreal, so surreal that I just wrote it off and I was like, yeah, nothing really happened. I just feel better because I spoke to somebody, you know. I just got it off my chest and at least I know one person cares. That was that was big. Yeah, that's significant. We shouldn't underestimate just how significant that is. Yeah. You've had this great experience, but you move on. What happens next? Me being the stubborn mule that I am, I started to kind of go God a little bit and I was like, all right, bit kind of like Gideon. Gideon puts out this fleece multiple times, and if you haven't read that story in the Bible, then I would suggest that you go and actually read the story of Gideon. It's yes. an amazing story. Yes. It was my turn to be Gideon, and I, I was. I basically said to God, all right, so you did something. Do something again. Go on, prove it again. And this is in the same moments after I'd just gotten off the phone. And I kid you not, five minutes later on Facebook again, yes, God uses social media people. (laughs) (laughs) The thing is I got a friend request from one of these two girls that I'd been on a bender with for 10 days straight, weeks beforehand, and the only thing she has ever said to me, like doesn't converse about anything else. We haven't spoken since this day. The only thing she's ever said is, hey, I have a Bible text for you. And I was like, what? What on earth are you talking about? You have a Bible text for me. Right. But when I read that Bible text, my heart sank. And also, I had so much joy. It was incredible because the Bible text basically said, I will love you and teach you in the way you should go with my loving eye upon you. (sighs) So this is all taken place within the space of a relatively short Amount of time in one day. In one hour. In one hour. You've yeah. had all of this happen. Yeah. And me being the <laughs> the very smart person that I was, I wrote it all off. I was just like, oh, yeah, whatever. I just feel good because I spoke about it. You know, it wasn't really God. I get the impression that God's not going to give up on you. He's calling out to you and this is not the end of the story because you're sitting here in the studio today. Look, God, God has dragged me back by my heels more times than I can count. Mm -hmm. I'm very stubborn, I'm very, I don't know, strong-minded and yet, you know, very intellectual and yet, I don't know, he humbles me to to my core most times. You'll never guess where I went straight away. As soon as all this happened, I went to the pub. (laughs) I went to the pub. My mates are down at the pub and they're like, oh, why don't you come and move in at the pub? So I moved in at the pub. So living in a warehouse, living in a pub, that's kind of one step above homeless. Oh, yeah. Very moderately. Yeah. Look, the thing is that you kind of go where you have to go. 
Yes. I was trying to find a house in Sydney and couldn't find a house anywhere. There was 50 to 60 people showing up to every house inspection during those years. It was insane. And the grandparents had actually restricted. They hadn't given me my rental history, even though I had been paying them rent on a regular basis. And they did that intentionally so that they would actually end up with custody of my daughter, which after she was returned by the police, they sued both my ex and myself for full custody of her. Mm, right. That makes life incredibly difficult. You did mention that your daughter was found. Mm. Uh, whereabouts was she found? What was the circumstances? Uh, I don't know exactly all the circumstances. Oh. All I know is that she was returned. Mm-hmm. And I can't actually mention that because it's probably, yeah. Sure. Um, so moving on with the story then, you've got uh, you've had this experience. You've moved in down at the pub now because you sort of put that behind you like, oh, yeah, no, that was just random. But God's not going to give up. You're living in the pub. What happens? I find it very intriguing that I was actually trained in the enemy camp. Like, I right. find that funny. Yes. I find it quite funny that, you know, all of my sound and lighting and things like this that, that I do for churches these days, I was trained in the enemy camp. That's an interesting way of putting it. When I think about it from that perspective, I think you're probably not the first person who's gone through that. And I can think of a number of examples in the Bible where you've got somebody, for instance, like Daniel, mm. who is living in Babylon, which from one end of the Bible to the other is Satan's kingdom. Mm. And he was, he was trained in the enemy camp yeah. as well. Yeah. When this court battle starts, it's not just a normal court battle. It's a massive battle. There's six lawyers involved. There's grandparents, us, and my ex and I was losing. I was losing so badly it wasn't funny. You know, a guy living in a pub and mm-hmm. nothing going for him basically. Sure, sure. On paper, the the grandparents looked flawless. They were just unbelievable. You know, upstanding citizens, things like that. And we were losing so badly that it was looking like I was going to only end up with about one day a month in, in access to my daughter who's about two at this point. How does that end up? So the court battle goes on for nearly 12 months. And as we're going, I keep searching for a house. There was an experience where I actually found a house and then I had to move out of that house because there was this, it smelt like it had been used by dealers or something like that. And it had ammonia or whatever you want to call it. And it's very interesting because I actually ended up getting my bond back, but it wasn't the right house for me mm-hmm. and God knew that, mm-hmm. but I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And this is significant later in the story. So when the court battle started, I was only a beginner at reading my Bible. Yes, I'd been told Bible stories as a kid and yes, that had affected my life in a certain way. But the fact of the matter was that I'd never really studied the Bible And I'd never really looked at it in a way that it was usable for my life. I just thought it was a stupid book full of old stories and history that made no significant difference in my life. And it was significant because I started running into some stories that really resonated with me. And then I also started to read passages. And it got down to the the last day, like two or three days before the final hearing of this court case. I knew I was going to lose. And I said to God, look, I'm doing my best. I'm here. You can see me struggling to have a relationship with you, but now I need your help. And as I was reading my Bible that particular day, I ran into a verse that talks about the fact that you can just let God fight your battles for you. 
And that verse, I'm pretty ADD. Like it's, <laughs> I'm pretty ADD. When you when you say, oh, you know, just be still in this moment and let God fight your battles for you. That's not so easy for me. That's not always that's pretty hard. Things. No, I was like, oh, you know, I don't know if I can do that. And eventually, I was like, well, now that it comes down to it. I've really got nothing else on my plate. You know, like I've got no ammo left in the in the cannons. I've got nothing left. I guess it's time to just be still. That would have been challenging. Not just challenging. It's when you're talking about your children, mm. when you're talking about having access to those children, it's gut-wrenching. What happened? <laughs> I was still in that moment. I literally prayed and I said, look, God, I've got nothing else. You're it. And I waited for him to fight that battle. The next morning, I got a phone call from the police again. And I was like, oh, no, what now? I've got all this stuff going on. I don't need anything else. I don't need the police involved again. And (laughs) as I drove to the grandparents' house, I was kind of angry at God again. Why did you let this happen again? You know, something else. They wouldn't even tell me what was going on. They just said, come to the grandparents' house. I was like, oh, no. As I got to the grandparents' house, they said, you can take your daughter from here. So you had custody. Like, how much custody did you get? That's a little bit convoluted at this point. So let me just tell you what happened there. Mm -hmm. So as I got to the grandparents' house, there was glass over the front like porch of their house and their other daughter had actually thrown a chair through a window, and then she had told the police that it wasn't a fit location for my daughter to live. Wow. Okay. All right, So, but the court still hasn't finished their deliberations, but this is going to impact that in some way, I'm sure. In a huge way. So the the police uh, basically let me have access to my daughter at this point, like a good amount of time, and it actually forced the grandparents to settle. Now, the police actually said to me I had 24 hours to find a house. <laughs> no one's going to do that. And I'm like... Not in you, Sydney. I've lived in Sydney. I know how that goes. Yeah, I'm Doesn't like, happen. you, you got to be kidding me. Can I have longer? No, sorry, you need to find a house, otherwise you can't take your daughter right now, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I'd won a battle, but I hadn't won the war. Yep. <laughs> and It almost uh, feels like it's teasing you, like, you can do this, It's here, it's right, it's within your fingertips, but actually you can't. Mm. When you're talking about your kids, it's always more personal. It always hurts. I I think as I started looking for a house that day, I was like, this is an impossible task. There's not even any house inspections. So I rang my dad and I said to him, look, dad, can we come and live with you? And me and my dad didn't have a very good relationship. So I hadn't done my part in that relationship and I know that now. But he flatly refused me. I said to him, look, Dad, can you please like, just let me come and renovate your shed or something like that? I can get full custody of my daughter, but I have to have somewhere to live. Mm. And he said, look, I don't really know you. He was married again and had another family and things like this, and we hadn't really kept up our friendship at all. Yep. I was very estranged, and I can't stress to people out there enough that you need to look after the relationships in your life. Because relationships are the things that can change the scope of who you are and they can change the scope of what you have 
in your life. And I think a lot of us need to take our pasts out of our future. And our Savior offers us a way of doing that. I really like the way you said that, taking our past out of our future. Mm. And I think that's something that a lot of us can really take to heart and think about. Okay, how do we actually make Jesus the center of taking our past out of our future? I think that uh, I'd like to encourage our listeners to actually you know, stop and think about that, that particular thought. So your dad refuses you. That, that's gutting. Where do you go next? Yeah, I went to my knees because over the last eight or nine months, I'd seen God change everything for me, and yet I still hadn't really been believing in it. But then I was like, okay, you know what? This is actually working. I'm going to get on my knees. So I got down and I prayed. (laughs) I kid you not, nine hours before this deadline that the police have given me, I'm actually talking to a client. And that client, as I'm on the phone, I'm just trying to trying to get some money out of him. As you're working, you need bond to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to get a house in the in the first place. And you know what he says? He goes, "Hey, Owen, you don't know anybody that needs to rent a house, do you?" I'm just like, uh, "Um, yeah, that would be me. <laughs> uh, can, can I rent your house? Is it available now?" He says, "Oh, yeah, you could you could come pick up the keys if you want." I'm like. Okay. This never happens. No. This never happens. It never happens. And <laughs> I I must admit I was crying as I drove over to his warehouse and I picked up the keys and I went and checked out the house and it's perfect, enough bedrooms for everybody, all this sort of stuff. As I start getting set up in the house, he rings me back and he goes, hey, I heard you were going through a tough time at the moment. And I'm like, yeah, look court this that you know and he says oh how about i give you that house for half rent for the first year so this guy he's a christian nope not a christian this is a wild story oh and you you tell the most wild stories about what god has done in your life so you're getting you're getting a house at half rent by guys he's not a christian he hasn't sort of done this from a christian sense of duty Nope. He's just a good, solid citizen who sees somebody in need and helps them out. And he's a customer. And like for a full year. A client. Like who says for a full year? That's crazy. Yeah. I, I couldn't believe what God was doing in my life. I'll tell you why. Because you see, God sometimes leaves it to the last minute so that you know that it was him. Absolutely. See, I, I don't think me and all my stubbornness would have believed that it was God if it had have happened a month or two or whatever beforehand, the fact that he left it to the very last minute and then he didn't just meet my expectations, he exceeded them by so much. Mm. What an amazing lesson that we've got right there. You come to the moment where you recognize that passage, you know, be still Mm. and you are still and you are at the end of your tether and you've done all that humanity can do and God steps in at the last minute. Very quickly before we finish this section, of the story, how does this affect what happens with your so it, child? It, it breaks down. The grandparents are actually cut out of the picture and um, me and my ex-partner, as soon as she starts proving that she's stable, we split the access. The story still goes on. Sure. There's a lot more to this. And we're going to tell the rest of that story. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.